0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. You are tuned into Questions for Corbett, and today we have a question in from a listener named Derek, who writes an email under the subject line, Agorism. I live on a rural property and can grow some of my food. However, I need fuel and parts for my tractor. I need internet. I need electricity. I need water. All of these things are supplied by large corporations, which require payment in fiat currency, are there ways of addressing these dependencies as their supply can be switched off at any time by the controllers as retribution for non-compliance? Thank you for the question, Derek. A very good question and interestingly framed under that subject line of agorism. For people in the audience for, who are encountering that word for the first time, I would say very, very briefly in a nutshell, agorism is a social slash political theory and practice that seeks to maximize uh, freedom uh, of voluntary association through uh, the practice of counter economics. (laughs) If that doesn't quite answer your question of what is agorism, then I will point you, as always, in the direction of an agorist primer by Samuel Edward Konkin III, available completely for free online. I'll point you to one of those resources. And I will also ask you to type agorism into the search bar of CorbettReport.com, where you will find... Plenty of interviews, podcasts, and articles that I've written on the subject in the past. But for today's purposes, I am going to interpret Derek's question and uh, the framing of this question under that heading of agorism as an attempt to maximize the space for counter-economic practice within society, or as the normies would say, self-sufficiency. Is self-sufficiency possible, and how do I go about it? given these limitations. Now, I think there's a couple of things to address here. One is the very practical questions that uh, Derek raises, and these are the practical questions that people will start to encounter when they start to try to apply counter-economics in their own life to achieve an agorist society. Uh, But there's also the sort of deeper, more philosophical question, is self-sufficiency of this kind really possible at all, or is it a pipe dream? And if so, what does that mean? So, I have a lot to say on this subject, and in fact, I have spoken about this here and there in various places over the years, so let's consolidate that into this edition of Questions for Corbett, so it's a one-stop handy resource for this. And as I say, I have a lot to say about this, but I also know people with a lot to say about this, and people who know something about what they're talking about, like, oh, say, Sal the Agorist. Oh, you might know Sal the Agorist, aka Sal Mayweather, on Twitter. That's how I originally encountered him. But he does have a website, saltheagorist.com, where he runs the Agorist podcast, where he talks about agorism and related matters on a regular basis. I hope you are tuning in. If not, follow the link in the show notes and you can do so. But recently I had the chance to ta- talk to Sal the Agorist about this question. I posed the question to him, and this is his response. Well, I guess my advice would be always to hold sound money
1: and then convert it right before the time of purchase. So whether that's gold or silver or cryptocurrency, that's what I would do. And I think the easiest way to do that is with a crypto debit card, something like BitPay or the Crypto.com card. But that uh, is a heavily KYC process. So if you're looking to do that in a non-KYC way, I would recommend like checking out one of those peer-to-peer trading sites like. Local.Bitcoin.com or Um, LocalCoinSwap.com, excuse me, but what I think is really important here is that this sort of shows the importance of the entrepreneurial aspect of accordism, right? If there's a demand for it, right? If there's a demand for tractor supplies and people want to pay in cryptocurrency, that seems to suggest that somebody out there one of us agorist, should be supplying that and if we can uh offer that sort of uh, those sort of goods in in return for in acceptance for cryptocurrency then all the better for the counter economy and that really speaks to uh, sam conkin stressing the role of the entrepreneur <clears throat> as opposed to uh, wage work so i would say you know, hold sound money and convert it and also consider starting a business where you can actually accept those parts in exchange for cryptocurrency to sort of smooth those gears a little bit.
0: What about the long, long term perspective on this as new technologies come up? I know you're a big 3D printing advocate. Um I mean, the, the, we are trapped in a level of thinking of maybe 20th century or even 19th century production that's st- structured around these large corporations with Absolutely. these gigantic manufacturing bases. That's not going to be the way of the future. Manufacturing is coming down to the local level. Um, can you speak to the longer term picture of our getting off this dependence on, you know, corporate tractor companies, John Deere or whatever, or, you know, internet being supplied by ISPs? Yeah, no, no, no
1: doubt. I think you hit the nail on the head. I really think decentralization is sort of the trend here, and that's that's spurred on or definitely driven by technology. Um, We see that in things like Bitcoin, sort of uh, takes it breaks banking down to the the individual level. 3D printing, as you mentioned, takes the whole manufacturing industry sort of disintermediates the legacy manufacturing industry and sort of empowers individuals with that role. Uh, And there's other examples too, like we see tokenization is sort of uh, now, instead of people having to issue stocks and bonds throughout these, you know, enormous monolithic centralized exchanges approved by the SEC and Finra, now with with the the magic of blockchain and tokenization, they can do it themselves. And the the, the list goes on and on. And I think as technology continues to increase, and we see things like AI and facial recognition and all these sorts of uh, new technologies being uh, Progressing and being developed, I think that sort of decentralization is only going to be uh, exaggerated, and we're going to see even more disintermediation uh, you know the effects of Bitcoin and 3 d printing is really only the tip of the iceberg and, and I think in about thirty years, if we can replay this conversation, we're going to sound like a couple cavemen, hopefully all right
0: yeah, hopefully exactly um, all right uh, how about resources? Are there any resources that you would recommend someone like Derek? Uh, Check out if they're looking to push this forward and get even more decentralized No doubt check
1: out a book by Carl Hess called community technology where he really breaks this down and uh, he goes through a whole process where in this book, where he lives in an urban area, an urban neighborhood in the Adams Morgan section of Washington, D.C., and vis-a-vis aquaponics, he's sort of able to create a local production facility that bypasses state regulations. And in this way, he's actually able to feed the entire community uh, in a way that really sort of is, uh, I don't want to say non-compliant, but sort of ignores the the fda and agricultural regulations so check out that book by carl has he really is a brilliant guy also i'd recommend uh subscribing to uh the survival podcast with, with jack spierko because spierko is really a uh, very knowledgeable uh, individual when it comes to um this sort of stuff so those are two resources. two resources
0: i would highly recommend once again, that's Sal of SalLeogorist.com. Such an important point that he raises there, and one that I think we'll be returning to throughout this uh, particular questions for Corbett, is the, uh, the, the acknowledgement that when we see a need in this space, this counter-economic space, well, how am I going to get tractor parts, for example uh without i'm gonna have to deal in filthy fiat aren't i well that's actually an opportunity for someone out there who wants to be that middleman who will say okay i'll i'll set up the business and i'll i'll do it in crypto and so uh, people can come to me and we don't have to know each other and you don't have to give me any of your details we don't have to use that filthy central bank give uh, fiat and it doesn't have to be crypto of course precious metals whatever Trading and playing cards, whatever your know, whatever your fancy is, uh, but yes, there there is a space. There's an opportunity for an entrepreneur who wants to be that disintermediation point, and make that happen. So I think that is an important point that we have to drive home through this. And of course, uh, Sal makes a number of good points there, but that's not that's not enough. Damn it! I want more responses to this. So in addition to soliciting. The uh, feedback of Sallyagoras.com. I also turned to Pete Quinones, who I'm sure you will know as Freeman Beyond the Wall at the Freeman Beyond the Wall podcast. If you don't, once again, well, this is your lucky week. You're getting all these new podcast podcast suggestions. I will put the link uh, to uh, uh, Freeman Beyond the Wall in the show notes so you can go there and subscribe and get informed uh, with Pete Quinones and his interesting guests. Always some very interesting conversations on his podcast. And he often, he is an. Agorist, a practicing agorist, and he talks about it quite a lot. So once again I put Derek's question to him about the various ways that Derek can disintermediate the system and find some counter-economic self-sufficiency.
2: Alright, so unfortunately what we've seen from history, if you're looking at agorism to solve this problem, I mean all of these problems, you're gonna have to wait for things to get worse. Um Professor Gregory Grossman in his The Second Economy of the USSR estimated that in the late 1970s, private income comprised between 28 and 33 percent of total household income in Russia. So you can imagine how big the secondary market is, how widespread agorism was. But they had gotten I mean, you're talking about 70 years of 60 years of just economic calculation problem gone haywire. So at one point, the largest repairer of household items was a secondary market firm that embarrassed the government to the point that they registered the company as a state-sanctioned business on their own just to avoid ridicule. So let me go on to Derek's concerns. Um, as far as internet goes, there are already open source projects. Uh, one's called Libre uh, LibreWeb, um, but the you need electricity for that. So the idea of electricity being supply it on the secondary market is really foreign to people. Um, There are some remote communities that I know of in the U S that aren't near a grid. So what they did was they created co-ops, which is socialism, but it's voluntary socialism. And they use water power, um, mills, things like that. And they basically make, they keep it and then they invest back into it. So it's just a community doing it. So if, you're, if that's something you're really worried about for the future, that's something you could look at. Um, private people decide uh, – as far as water goes, I've looked at some property in the Georgia mountains, and really the only thing that I was concerned about in a remote area was whether there's a well. So if water is a big concern to you if you're living off of county water – you might want to look at other property for a well or have somebody come out and look and see if you have well water. Um, fuel, I, I think that that would be one of the first things that Agoras would hook onto because it would be readily available. They could store it. I mean, I know people in Georgia who have 75-gallon uh, tanks with, with um, fuel pumps sitting on their property. And as far as farm equipment goes, I mean, that's just another thing that would be a good secondary market thing. To go off of what um, Sal the Agorist, if if that um, – he was talking about – I talked to him about cryptocurrency, and you know, what he talked about was holding cryptocurrency until the very last minute and then using decentralized means to – like um, local.bitcoin.com to sell it for um, – to sell it to get cash or if you want to do KYC, you know, your customer, there are debit cards out there that would allow you to do it. But until we get to a secondary economy where a good majority of people and especially business owners are using cryptocurrency in the last before you have to get something because you really need it and it's an emergency, you're probably going to have to convert it to, to fiat. So. That makes it all the more important to be using cryptocurrency and showing people that it is a means of exchange, that it is peer-to-peer cash. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. And if there is an underlying theme that kind of goes uh, 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 on everything that you're saying here, it is community, that there's no way you're going to be able to do this by yourself. Obviously, this is about interaction and transaction. You're going to have to have some form of community that A, is even aware of of the importance of this, and B, knows how to do this, whether that's trading in crypto or or uh, supplying their own electricity or water or what have you. The, the know-how has to be there, and it has to be conscious, consciously done for a specific purpose. Can you speak to that idea of community and how that might be sort of the baseline of what agorists need to be constructing?
2: Well, we love to have this individualist ideology where, you know, leave me alone. All rights are individual. All rights are negative rights, but you're not going to survive on your own. You're not going to be able to go. I mean, it's very rare, you know, someone like a Jack Spierko, even a Jack Spierko who's created his own little, for lack of a better term, ecosystem right outside of that, of Dallas in Texas, he knows that he can't survive on his own. He knows that he needs his wife, his neighbors. He knows all of these people. Um, he, he says that he could probably live there if he needed to for a year, a year and a half without leaving. But in the unlikely event that there's a total breakdown and just a dystopian nightmare, um, I mean, I might not want to stay around for that anyway. So I might head out into, I might head down to Mexico or something and go go to the mountains down there. But um, yeah, I mean we all know all of us who talk about agorism know that we have to rely on other people. And if you are an agorist and you are providing a service and you you trust, you meet another agorist and you trust them. Sam Konkin talked about forming these cadres for protection and even to set up protection services for yourself, get some people who know how to handle themselves and to protect your business. And Sam said, when we start seeing those then we'll know that we've won and that the that the state has basically become this weak thing where instead of like right now you have pockets of agorism and it's mostly statism. You may have just pockets of statism and most people have just taken to agorism.
0: Once again, Pete Quinones of FreemanBeyondTheWall.com. And I hope you're starting to pick up on the narrative thread connecting some of these different responses to Derek's question. Namely, as I pointed out there, the connecting thread of community and the fact that whatever way we carve out this space for freedom of association, voluntary association, free trade, it's going to involve community, like-minded people coming together to support each other in this endeavor. If that sounds paradoxical to you, then I submit that you you have been subject to either brainwashing of a certain sort, or at the very least, you have listened to too many straw man arguments. So these agorists or these self-sufficiency people, these survivalists, whatever, they they are only interested in being unabombers out living in the woods, living on bugs and rainwater, and uh, they don't want any association with anyone. No, that's nonsense. No, the vast majority, maybe there are people like that, but I would say the vast majority of people want association with others, want to come together, involuntary association. That's what this is all about. The agora is the marketplace in the old classical Greek idea of that, not just a place to buy and sell, but to meet, to interact, to, to speak with others, to interact with fellow human beings. That's what the end goal of this is. This is about reaching that space in society where we can freely interact with each other. So it's going to require building communities. And in fact, that might be the ground level of what we need to do in order to achieve and carve out that space for maximalized counter-economic practice. But before we get too airy-fairy with the philosophical stuff, let's keep ourselves grounded here. We have another guest uh, respondent here answering Derek's question. This time, Ernest Hancock, who I'm sure some of my audience will know as the host of the Declare Your Independence uh, radio program. he's also He also runs freedomsphoenix.com. But perhaps you do or do not know, he's also running the Love Bus Liberty Tour. And if you do not know about it, you can find more information at the Love Bus Liberty Tour homepage. I'll link up in the show notes. But long story short, for people who don't know, Ernest Hancock was... It has been around for many years in the movement in various forms and, uh, in fact, created the Levolution logo that Ron Paul used in, the, or the Ron Paul movement in 2008 was using uh, quite a bit uh, and does a lot of activism along those lines. Well, this year for 2020, uh, it was his plan to basically sell sell his home and move into a mobile bus-like unit that they could drive, him and his wife would drive all around the country spreading the word, in this case specifically uh, uh, focusing in on vaccine choice and vaccine education um, and uh, some real information about vaccines and their harms, uh, which is interesting because all of this was he selected and, and committed himself to doing this, all of this, last year even, maybe even before that. But at any rate, before all of this pandemic uh, of this year unfolded. So, a very interesting and very timely tour that Ernest Hancock is engaged in. And for those who don't know, he is continuing to do his operations, run his radio show, etc. from the road in his little... RV, and I say little, but in fact I don't know this the size of it, but it's spacious enough to have a little studio in there. So there, uh, it's quite an operation, and it's interesting because it brings it. It sort of focuses in on that self sufficiency dynamic because energy uh, and water and food and supplies they have to take them with them, and to the extent that they can, they have to be self sufficient for days sometimes perhaps potentially even weeks at a time. Uh, and how do you do that? Well, he has prepared in various ways to get off of the grid in every way possible and imaginable. So he has some very specific advice on these matters. And so let's turn to Ernest Hancock and my uh, recent appearance on, of myself on his program, where I asked him about Derek's question.
3: Yep, 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 that's exactly the very question. Now, he said rule. He lives out in a yep. uh, rural area. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you got land, you know, and this is the thing. That's why if it pleases the crown, may I occupy my own land, you know? So what do we look at? When we do the love bus, oh, yeah, the love bus, I just went and seen it. They're not going to be done with it till end of next week. Ugh. So we'll have our full studio and everything, and we'll be having some fun. But the um, we set up the love bus to have – it has 400 amp hours of lithium uh, – Ion phosphate batteries, so we intentionally wanted to be able to go two days without sun and do the show. We have the generator, diesel backup. We have uh, uh, eight hundred watts on the roof and four hundred and eighty underneath that we can deploy of solar power. Now with that power to air condition, hell, man, you can make your own damn water. This thing, you know, drains just from condensation. A couple of gallons. i sitting there watching. So you you can also do your own water. Um, You have communication, Starlink's coming, you know, satellite, whatever. God knows how that's going to work out. But that's the goal is is to get off of them. When Donna and I go back to Arizona, there is no way in hell I'm going to be on their grid. For water, sewer, power, communication, my friend Bob Anderson hasn't been for 15 years. So I know what can be done, certainly with the solar. You have Rivian. Electric pickup trucks is open in a factory in northwest of Phoenix there. You have uh, Lucid Air is doing one south of Phoenix and also Nikola, but I think they're, you know, kind of chamois a little bit. But uh, so, and what are they doing? They got all this desert. It's going to be solar, just like they're doing with the Gigafactory up in Nevada. So the possibility of, with an intent to get off of the grid, there's one YouTube channel I really like. It's called Wild Wonderful Off-Grid which is a family in West Virginia. They did this very thing. And they're just now moved in the house, it's like a couple of years. Another one life uncontained to use these uh, container boxes to build the house out of them, whatever. A couple had a baby there and do it. All of this is totally off grid and collecting rainwater. Right now, my friend Bob is doing big time rainwater collection because he had no idea how much he could, he was like, oh, are you kidding me? I got storage, man, rock and roll, let's do it. So the thing is is the you go to pirateswithoutborders.com you go to the top and it'll have communication, energy, food, shelter, automation, ro- I mean transportation up there and the technology that's in there you scroll through it and you'll go these are the technological advancements that able for the individual to do exactly what he needs to do which is get off of their grid. So we have a T-shirt that says, with our pirate ship on it, it says, above the grid. We're not off the grid. We're above the grid, man. We do, do, what grid? So this is, it's a mindset. And if he's not striving to do that, then you're just a victim. You know, of course, well, they do then, they'll turn off, you damn skippy they will. So get off.
0: Once again, that's the always a bullion to Ernest Hancock of Declare Your Independence, freedomsphoenix.com, pirateswithoutborders.com, currently on the Love Bus Liberty Tour. I'll put a link in to the show notes specifically for that if you want to see more about this bus and uh, the tour that they're uh, undergoing right now, which is spreading activism around the U.S. at the moment, uh, going to various places and helping in the construction of the blueprints and machinery for constructing signs that people can do to make up their own messages and go and plaster the town with signs. And they're doing uh, let me see your smile kind of anti-mask signs and and things along those lines at the moment and having some great successes in various places. And you can see the pictures on their site uh, documenting that. So there are some uh, practical things that are coming out of this, and Ernie gives some practical pieces of information about the incredible technologies that are coming into view to further decentralize the system and bring more power, sometimes literally electricity power, into the hands of the average individual. We do not need this massive manufacturing, capital-intensive, industrial-era state that has been created with all of the various apparatus and baggage that comes along with that and the central bank dictating every transaction through their medium of exchange that only you can, you can only trade in our fiat money. No, there are many, many ways to get off the grid or above the grid, as the case may be. And uh, Ernie uh, documents that at pirateswithoutborders.com and all the various different ways that you can do about that, the different technologies that are coming about, transportation, communication, energy, water, these types of things. So there's a lot of information out there for people who aren't keeping their Finger on that pulse, and let me direct you to another source of information that I hope my longtime listeners will be familiar with. Very specifically, to answer specifically Derek's point about uh, farm equipment, tractors, and that, those sort of things, well, I have to, I have to purchase them from these giant corporations in fiat money. Uh, They have to be supplied by these giant corporations with the fiat currency. Well, yes, and as uh, Sal and Pete and others are talking about, well, we're going to have to create, uh, well, there's an entrepreneurial opportunity there for people who want to disintermediate that and become the crypto middleman to uh, that sort of market for people who are in that market. But... Actually, that isn't the end goal of all of this. No, again, the end goal is to get rid of these gigantic corporations that have their virtual monopolies on these incredibly capital intensive manufacturing uh, processes like making tractors and those sort of things. That's not the kind of thing you can do in your garden tool shed. Is it? Well, I hope you already know that, in fact, that is the end goal of a project called Open Source Ecology, which I did go into in detail in episode 222 of the Corporate Report podcast, Lessons in Resistance Open Source, where I introduced that idea through a uh, talk by the founder of the Open Source Ecology Project. And uh, I further elaborated that and gave it a shout out in Open Source Solutions, an open source investigation where the corporate report community engaged in an open source investigation of different open source solutions, including open source ecology. And then I had aforesaid founder of the Open Source Ecology Project and uh, uh, the Open Building Institute, Marcin uh, Jakubowski and Katerina Mota on the program back in interview 1191 to further discuss those details. But let's put it on the record formally here. OpenSourceEcology.org is the homepage of open source ecology what is open source ecology what are they attempting to do here well just from the about page you can get this uh introduction it says the vision of open source ecology is a world of collaborative design for a transparent and inclusive economy of abundance An open-source Libra economy is an efficient economy which increases innovation by open collaboration. To get there, OSE, Open Source Ecology, is currently developing a set of open-source blueprints for the Global Village Construction Set, GVCS, a set of the 50 most important machines that it takes for modern life to exist, everything from a tractor to an oven to a circuit maker. In the process of creating the GVCS, OSE intends to develop a modular, scalable platform for documenting and developing open source Libra hardware, including blueprints for both physical artifacts and for related open enterprises. And they go on from there, and there's a lot of information, including, again, this is not just a pipe dream, pie in the sky, just wish list stuff. There is a global village construction set which is under development, and there are various pieces of that set that are already. Uh, available to go, and some that are uh, in the planning stages, some in the design, some in the prototype stages, but you can see them all. Everything from a micro house, which I did talk about in interview 1191, to a micro combine, electric motor generator, open source welder, universal rotor, universal power supply, open source truck, heat exchanger, modern steam engine, spader, uh, universal cedar, uh, plasma cutter, industrial robot, metal rolling, hay cutter, I mean, all of these various instruments, they are developing the open source blueprints that you will be able to use to create your own machinery. 50 of the most important basic pieces of machinery for modern life to exist that will be open and freely available. And you'll have the blueprints at your fingerprints. That is uh, that is the absolute End goal of this is not to envision some world where oh maybe we can buy just from these gigantic mega behemoth corporations through crypto or something like that. No, we can actually collaborate to help design these processes that are now available at the individual level. And uh, once again, this is not pie in the sky, some sort of you know future many many thousands of years off. This is happening right now. And I note that. Unfortunately, by the time this, uh, this uh, Questions for Corbett is released, you will have just missed the latest Open Source Microfactory Build Camp, which is taking place right now. Um, there's three weekend shops. They take over three weekends, uh, starting a couple of weeks ago and, and finishing up this weekend as I release this podcast. So you've just missed it, but you can at least see the uh, the YouTube introduction, Open Source Microfactory Steam Camp invitation, where they show you uh, the Steam Camp and what it is they do, uh, which is taking place uh, remotely At the moment, but I'm sure they will have other opportunities for such camps in the future. So you can follow open source ecology for that. And that's just one example of what can happen in this age where we can share this information. Everyone through decentralized peer to peer networks can share and collaborate on these gigantic open source projects to bring all of this knowledge together so that people can take and harness the power of all of these great minds coming together at the individual level and. Again, not just... Not just get off the grid, but create a create a completely different idea of what a grid means. Once again, the straw man argument is that oh, these agorists and self-sufficiency, oh, these the survivalists—they just want to live, uh, you know, in the woods by themselves and never meet another human. That is nonsense. That is garbage. That is a straw man argument. No, of course, human beings want community. They want to come together for voluntary interactions. That's what agora means. That's what it is about agora, not just the sense of the marketplace in terms of economic transactions, but in terms of people coming together, interacting with each other. That is the goal of agorism. And that is what we're working towards. And open source ecology and other projects like that are helping to make that an actual lived reality. Now, the other final thing that I'd like to say on this subject is that we have to avoid the binary thinking that this is an on-off switch. Either you are independent or you are dependent and there's nothing in between because, unfortunately, that is an exceptionally unproductive and demotivational way of framing this important issue. In fact, if you are someone like Derek, who is taking steps to try to get yourself off of this grid in various ways, but then you see, oh, well, it's going to be probably practically impossible at this moment, given the structures as they exist, to become 100% independent. Well, I might as well give up. No, of course not. Do not give up. It is better to be 90% independent than 100% dependent. It's better to be 80% dependent, independent instead of you know, 70% independent, whatever that is. However you incrementally approach that mythical, maybe, state of 100% independence, at any rate, we can work towards it. And don't use that as an excuse to just maintain the status quo. Well, I can't get 100% off the grid in every single way, so I won't try anything. No, everything that we can do to disintermediate, to become part of the counter-economy, to grow the agora, is for the good. So... As always, there's a lot of resources that will be linked up in the show notes for you to start exploring these ideas in greater depth. My hats off to you, Derek, for taking those first steps and and reaching out for help. Absolutely. That is the way this will progress. I don't have all the answers. No one that I've talked to in my life has all the answers, but together we will have more of the answers and we will be able to combine and collaborate in ways that most people can't even dream of, much to their detriment. So let's start that conversation. Of course, as always, I invite Corbett Report members to log into the site. Leave your own comments in the comment section about the things that you have done or are doing to get off the grid and how you can uh, help teach others about those things. That is the collaborative learning process that I'm hoping to encourage at CorbettReport.com. I hope you will join me there. In the meantime, that's going to do it for today. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.